This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. It's been a strange off season. Uh, it's been already a strange season for the sports that have gone uh, back to action. College football in the NFL, you know, this this part of the year has been coming down the track and we hoped that, you know, with all the time to prepare, with all the time to have, you know, to see what other sports are doing and how they're going about it, that we would get to football season and we really either wouldn't have to deal with uh, a whole lot of unsurety, whether in terms of the virus, you know, things getting better in this country, which obviously it has not. And obviously, you know, and also with the other sports being able to take, you know, from the blueprints that have worked and those that maybe haven't, Brian, it doesn't look like the the football world has done a whole lot of that, especially on the college level. The NFL's finally hammered out some protocols. They're helpful for a full season in the NFL. But college football's the wild, wild west, man, when it comes to who's in charge and who's making these decisions and what protections the players have. I just don't know how this is going to go, man. In the next 72 hours, it seems like from what we're hearing, um, and all the things that are being written now are going to tell the tale in terms of what these major conferences are going to do. We've already seen small, smaller programs, smaller conferences opt out. Uh, the MAC was the latest one, the first FBS conference to back out of the entire 2020 season or at least postpone it. I don't know, man. I don't know what to think, Brian. This is going to have a huge impact on so many things in, in, the, in the draft universe, in college football, in the NFL. What's your take on what the next 72 hours holds for the football season? Well, here, you know, College football is its own breed of animal when we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. When we look at pro sports, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, you can almost argue the assumption of risk makes a little bit more sense, if that makes sense, because these guys are making millions upon millions of dollars. It's a profession. It's a, it's a career. It's a job. They have representation. They have not only their own individual representation with an agent, but they also have a union that they're part of. And, you know, when you have a multi-billion dollar industry like the NFL, it's, that's really limited to just 32 teams and a few hundred players. There's a lot of smart people involved with this business model who can come up with maybe a fighting chance to have a season and you know what the NFLPA and NFL were able to agree to with the opt out provision 69 pro players have opted out of the season you know players did have the opportunity to sit a year have their contract told depending on whether or not they were high risk or just a voluntary opt out there just make just makes more sense to have a professional league continue down the path toward playing than any amateur sport whether it's college football or high school football, or, you know, my sons are, my eight-year-old son wants to play tackle football this year. And in the town that I live in, 
they still don't know what they're going to do with a youth league. It's it's ridiculous that they're even considering having a season. And even though these guys are 18, 19, 20 years old, and some of them project to be multi-multi-millionaires as first-round picks, it seems a little ridiculous to me that you're going to have any chance, that people think there's any chance that, that over 100 programs from the East Coast to the West Coast, and then you add in the different levels of college football, you see these smaller conferences are already canceling their season. Division two and three programs are already canceling their season. To think that just because a Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State feels like an NFL property, it's not. These are still college kids, and there's still a bigger picture involved here. If you have a college football season and you have college kids tailgating, it's not just about the guys on the field. And that's what people forget, Luke. It's not just about what's happening on the field. That's the trunk of the tree. The branches extend so far beyond just the players on the field and the risk it imposes to the campuses that allow these false sports to happen. So I, I don't I don't think there's an easy answer, Luke, and that's why we're still sitting here and it's August, you know, 9th, 10th, 11th, and we still don't have any answers. Trevor Lawrence came out today and said, you know, they want to play. Of course, Trevor Lawrence is profiling as the first overall pick an NFL quarterback. He's pro- profiling as a leader. I don't know, Luke. If you're a betting man, what 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 are what are you wagering on in terms of the college football season at this point? You know, I'm glad I'm not a betting man in this situation. I mean, in a lot of situations, but but particularly this one, I I don't I don't trust on either end of this this scenario enough of what will happen. And something you touched on just briefly, but I think is honestly the 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 part of this iceberg that is still submerged is is the are the governing bodies these conferences because the, N- the NCA has no power here they, they 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 can't tell these conferences what to do these these power conferences these movers and shakers they're going to be the ones that make the decisions here and i think that what this comes down to is while it may be on the outside above the water that part of the iceberg may be that the conferences are trying to figure out how to do this safely or how to, you know, protect the players. Is it hard not to wonder, Brian, like how much of this is about the fact that the NCAA and these these power conferences are worried that this could be finally the catalyst that finally brings down the empire that that college sports and college football in particular have created on the backs of this amateur idea Instead of paying players, instead of allowing them to pursue their own compensation off their own names and likenesses, are they having these meetings to figure out if they can have a season, you know, for so many of the benefits that we, you know, think of and come to mind? And like you said, all those other branches of the tree, are they really just worried about protecting their own, protecting the machine that they have built, the well-oiled machine that generates billions and billions of dollars, not just for them, but for the entire athletic program at so many of these schools? Is this more about how to keep that machine running instead of letting the COVID-19 pandemic become what eventually gives players enough power to to come together and demand a better system. Well, I, I think if the NCAA is looking to maintain that gravy train, they have to cancel the season because anything other than that is a slam dunk confirmation that the NCAA is just out to profit off the backs of amateur athletes. If they are truly looking at student athletes, as they've always said, as being truly student athletes, the, the primary focus first, the, right? That's right. What they always say, the pri- right? The primary focus of the NCAA would then be to make sure that these kids keep their scholarships, can go to school safely, along with the rest of the student body at their institution, and not increase the risk unnecessarily for an amateur sport that they're not getting paid for. That they're not doing any, uh, you know, you'll hear the people will push back and say the scholarship is compensation. Well, guess what? Please don't do that. I I know. I mean, we have academic scholarships. There's other scholarships that are out there for for students who achieve at a high level in different aspects of college life that extend beyond just the gridiron or the basketball court or the baseball diamond. You know, academics can get you a scholarship too. There's a variety of ways kids can get to go to school because of their achievements. Athletes shouldn't be singled out. 
because of the potential that there's no season. They should all keep their scholarships because of what they've been able to achieve up to this point. But back to your, your original point there, Luke. If the NCAA wants to maintain its stranglehold on amateur sports, collegiate sports, student athletes, they have to put the students first and say, we cannot take any unnecessary risk that, sure, Trevor Lawrence wants to play this year, but if Trevor Lawrence is suddenly at some increased risk because he's playing, he's in a huddle with somebody who tests positive, but it doesn't come out until a few days or a week later, and then Trevor Lawrence is going to sociology class, and maybe there's not social distancing being adhered to, or maybe someone's not wearing a mask, or whatever the case might be. Not Trevor Lawrence because Clemson decided they want to keep football going, or the NCAA decided that football was more important than health. Now Trevor Lawrence has just exposed an entire student body or classroom, which then spreads. We all know how this spreads to a, to an unnecessary risk. So the NCAA says we are playing despite the risks involved to you, the athlete. Then I believe the athlete now has an overwhelming case and argument to say we need to have some sort of almost like a union to protect our interests because the NCAA is putting us over all the other students in the, in, in, in college at a higher risk. The only way they can protect the gravy train Luke is by canceling the season, even though it costs them a lot of money. Listen, as long as the world keeps spinning, college football will be back next August. We can all take a red shirt season. If they decide not to do that, the train's going to run off the tracks. You know, I, I like I said, I, I don't see a, a good solution or answer here that makes sense. I did think that, you know, Trevor Lawrence, after his initial comment that, you know, I don't know about y'all, but we want to play. He, he came back later this evening. This is, uh, you know, this is Sunday night. And he said, you know, he had some thoughtful words about, you know, the different situations that guys are coming from and how they could be you know, safer in, in the university environment and, and with their teams because you can adhere to certain protocols. And if you send all those guys home, you know, you don't know what you're sending them into necessarily in terms of not just, you know, the lack of, you know, the rules and protocols in place to keep them safe. But some of these players, you know, are are better off in terms of their personal selves and their personal lives being in that community and being around um the, the the college football universe as opposed to being in, in some more difficult circumstances at home. I do think he made some good points there. I just don't know if that outweighs all of the, not just the risks, but if we're talking about the NCAA and their, you know, financial interests, the astronomical liability that the NCAA is taking on. And I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying this is the morally, uh, the better way to go. If you want to go that route, I'm just saying, I don't see the NCAA looking at the thoughts that Trevor Lawrence has put out there about what, you know, could be best for the athletes in certain ways about playing this season and making the decision based on that. I think this is all going to come down to for the, for, for these power conferences, it's going to come down to, can we do this and still CYA and make sure that we're not going to be held liable for the things that go wrong if this goes wrong? And I just don't think there's any way they can answer that question in the affirmative. I don't think there's any way they can say we can play this season and it won't come back to bite us financially. And it's sad that I think that's more important to them than whether or not Trevor Lawrence goes and, and spreads the virus to his sociology class. I, I think that while they certainly, hopefully they care about that to a certain degree, I think it's all going to come down to the liability. And I just don't see how they play a season with that looming over their heads. Yeah, to be honest, Luke, I think Trevor Lawrence's comments, while they came from a good place, I mean, it's complete nonsense. It's complete and total nonsense. If you can't trust your teammates to do the right thing, unless they're in a bubble at Clemson, then you can't trust your teammates, period. You know, this is one of those issues where you have to be, you know, if you're going to be a, um, if you want to be considered a pro, if you want to be considered a prospect, if you want to be considered a guy who can uh, handle an NFL contract or can handle NFL responsibilities, then you should easily be able to handle the requirements of social distancing, wearing a mask and doing the right thing if you're not at the program. Um, and again, this is, you know, look, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick and probably uh, you know, wants to say all the right things to prove his desire to play football and to enhance his stock. I don't think this is agendaless here, his comments. I don't think he's saying these things 
uh, strictly because he wants Clemson to play football this year. I think he also is trying to profile as the franchise voice of an NFL team. And I think that's very smart. That's why he should be the number one pick. I mean, the dude gets it. The dude is coming out like a leader and saying the right things and sounds articulate and intelligent. And it's a well thought concept, but it's complete nonsense. You know, this virus, you have to be on your toes all the time. And Luke, we see guys in bubbles in the NBA bubbles breaking the rules. We see NFL teams, guys are testing positive and they're in camp and they're supposedly doing the right thing. I mean, this, this is, it's not going to be a slam dunk where you have kids on a college campus because they're in college football training camp and around a college football program with the influences of the college coaches and the structure that maybe they don't have from home. That doesn't mean they're still not going to go out and grab a quick meal at McDonald's with their teammates and maybe one dude doesn't wear a mask. I mean, that stuff is still going to happen. You know, to say that college football makes kids safer is ridiculous because, yeah, Clemson, the Clemson players might do the right thing Monday through Saturday all season long. But then they go up against, you know, Florida State and a couple guys on Florida State weren't doing the right thing. And one guy gets tackled. He's in a pileup. And the guy that coughs that maybe is asymptomatic. Then the whole thing is blown up. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, kudos for trying, but it's nonsense. The only way to minimize the risk of college students getting the virus is by minimizing the, the gathering. You have to minimize close contact. You have to have social distancing. I mean, we all know this. There's obviously the conspiracy theorists out there, the, the, the anti-coronavirus, it's a hoax, it's whatever, it's man, it's media madness, not, you know, fake news. <clears throat> That's fine. You're entitled to your own political opinions, but I trust the scientists who clearly say you need social distancing is the only way to really combat this combined with other efforts like wearing a mask and washing your hands and everything. But social distancing is critical. I don't know about you, Luke, but football is the polar opposite of social distancing. So no matter what Trevor Lawrence says, the game, <coughs> the game inherently creates a risk. And there's nothing that he or anyone can say to change that fact. Um, there's just nothing. There's just it. Just it's just nonsense, man. Trevor Lawrence just profiles as a franchise quarterback with that commentary. He's getting great advice from whoever told him to come out and make that statement. And kudos to him. But it's 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 complete hogwash, man. Well, Brian, we don't know what's going to happen with the college football season. We do know that at this point, the NFL is planning on having a full regular season. That means the Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket TV. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV, Fantasy Zone channels. You will never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code Blue wire, those you know. It, hey, Luke, does anybody not have an NFL Sunday ticket subscription at this point? I, I, I don't tell know you, how people. How can people not live? I mean, I can't even imagine a Sunday without the multi-box screen. I mean, the Sunday ticket has been part of my life for many, 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 many years now. It's one of my favorite times of year. That opening Sunday when you when you finally turn that dish on, or if you if you have one of the streaming services because you don't have a dish. And that first Sunday, man, it just gets your juices flowing. You guys and gals out there, you got to make sure. I mean, get the Sunday ticket. What are you doing? Especially now in a pandemic. What the hell else are we going to be doing on Sundays? Brian, Sunday, we've told, uh, we've told um, our pathetic Madden stories in the past on this show. And I have a pathetic Sunday ticket story, if you'll There's indulge no me. no such thing. Because when I – I played one season of college football at the NAIA level. I played at Kentucky Christian University – a tiny little university in Grayson, Kentucky. And if you are listening to the show and you know where that is, I'm terribly sorry. Um, unless you've been to Giovanni's Pizza, that's the only good thing about Grayson, Kentucky. Um, but anyway, my, me and my best friend from high school, we were there. We were uh, roommates. We had an apartment off campus. Um, and we we moved up there. And we're, I mean, we're poor as dirt. We don't have any, you know, we, we got enough academic scholarships to, to, cover you know the tuition because at that level you can't get full scholarships for sports and it was a new program and we you know we, we were making ends meet we were doing the best we can god bless my wife we were married at the time and uh we're still married now that sounded weird um 
you know, we're, you know, she's working bartending and, and waiting tables like 80 hours a week. So we could barely not even really pay the bills. But when we first moved up there, you know, I'm a guy that grew up and lived in the Tampa area my whole life and moving to, you know, the Northeast corner of Kentucky where there's not going to be any Bucks football on TV. That's unacceptable, unacceptable. So my buddy and I, we, we ordered direct TV and we got NFL Sunday ticket. The moment we, we moved up there in August. So we had it set up by the time September rolled around with zero intention of ever paying for it (laughs) because we have no money. We had no way to do that. So we got four glorious weeks of Buccaneer football in September before they shut it off in October because we never paid the bill, Brian. And listen, <laughs> when you go without it, you realize, pay the man. Pay I off, mean, man. it's worth every dime. And I'll tell you why, because later that season, I kid you not, it was the, the Bucks. throw the first Bucks throwback game they ever played where they dressed in the orange uniforms for the first time since uh since 96 and so this is in 2009 i believe it is the fall of 2009 and they played the packers at raymond james stadium aaron Rodgers in the you know in his prime and the packers were up i want to say you know by two touchdowns maybe a little more and i couldn't see any of it because our our dish network they their direct tv had cut it off obviously you know rightly so and my buddy and I are stuck on a Sunday afternoon watching, imagine, you know, the market we're in. We're watching Cincinnati versus the Bears. Hey, now, that's a great game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like six to three or nine hey, to six. Any Bears, any Bears game is a great game, brother. <laughs> so we're in the Cincinnati market. We've got to watch this field goal fest between the Bears and the Bengals. But the best thing happened because that game was so ugly and nothing happened that it got done in about two hours and 40 minutes. And I swear to God, I've never been happier in my life than when I, I heard Kurt Menefee say, we're going to take you now for bonus coverage to the finish of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Green Bay Packers game. And I didn't even care that they were losing. They were down by two scores and I did not care. I was like, Oh my God, this is great. My brother and my dad were actually at the game and I was so excited. I was like, Oh my God, we're going to get to see the finish of this game. Even if we get our our asses kicked by Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be great. And Josh Freeman, in all of his creamsicle-clad glory, led the Bucks on a ridiculous comeback in the fourth quarter through touchdowns to, I believe, Kellen Winslow, Sammy Strauder, Oregon wow. State legend Sammy Strauder, and then Tenard Jackson picked off Aaron Rodgers on the last drive of the game and ran it back for a touchdown, and the Bucks ended up winning that game by like 10 because so they what you're saying touchdowns you had- at the end. You've had the perfect NFL Sunday. You got to watch some Bears, and you got to watch a Packers loss. That, to it me, that sounds like a perfect <laughs> That's a good point. But I'm telling you, man, it just it just drives home the point. I, I learned through that first month with Sunday Ticket, and then every Sunday thereafter with that little taste of, you know, you could do this every week if you had, you know, paid your bill. I, I can't live without it, man. I just it's a, it's a horror story and a beautiful story all at the same time. But it, uh, it proved to me then and there it's just something you can't live without. Speaking of horror stories, Luke, what the hell is going to happen with the NFL draft this year? What what are we? <laughs> what world are we venturing into here? Uh, you've been doing a great job keeping track of the guys who are opting out right now. Maybe you can run down that list since you're the author of it over at DraftWire.com. Uh, we have some legit big name guys who kind of still needed a big time season to cement themselves as a high first round pick. Let's kind of go through this list here, Luke, and just talk about not only what it means for these prospects opting out, but what the NFL draft cycle or calendar could or maybe should look like if you and I were calling the shots here. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got, you know, some at least preseason favorites to be top 10, maybe even top five picks on this list. The first two names that come to mind, Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, who you and I have talked about quite a bit on this show. Um, as you know, an incredible athlete, but you know, he differs from Isaiah Simmons, a top 10 pick in this draft in that he, you know what he is, you know, what position he plays. He he's a perfect fit for that off ball linebacker spot at the next level, whether you want to play him inside or outside. Uh, I mean, he's, he's the prototypical linebacker. He could be a top five pick and that's saying something for a, a guy at that position. 
And then you got Greg Rousseau, the, the edge rusher from Miami, 6'7", 265. I mean, this guy's got the long arms. He's got the athleticism, the explosiveness. He's the, the you know, everyone assumes is the top edge rusher in this class. And that guy usually goes in the top five. So those are the two names right off the bat. You got a couple big name receivers on this list. You love Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I completely understand why. We've talked about Rondale Moore from Purdue, another guy who, who could easily go in the first round. Um, Caleb Farley, the corner from Virginia Tech, is is a potential first-round guy. Jalen Twyman from Pitt, I think, is the most recent big name to decide that he's going to opt out. I mean, it, these guys – we talked earlier about Trevor Lawrence and, and the, the, the advantage to a guy who wants to prove he can be a franchise quarterback and all of that – all of what that entails in terms of him saying he wants to play. These guys at that other position, these other positions, they don't have to deal with that, and they're piecing out. Listen, you know, from, from the list of guys that you rent, went through, Micah Parsons didn't have to play a snap this year. He's a top five guy. I mean, he just is. And I think, in fact, opting out for him, there's enough tape, and he's going to destroy the combine if and when that happens. And there's just no doubt. I mean, he's he's a dude. He's a lot. He's a he's a he's cut from the cloth of the great linebackers in the past that have come out of Penn State, and he's going to be exactly what NFL teams are searching for from a guy who's big enough to play all three downs, big enough to play against the run, fast enough to run with tight ends, agile and quick enough to cover running backs out of the backfield, and 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 lethal enough to kind of bend the edge and get after the quarterback too. So he's a top five pick in my opinion, and he would have been barring injury no matter what he did this season. Rousseau, on the other hand, I love the guy coming in. He's a top five or six player on my preseason board, but he didn't, he wasn't entering this season without question marks in terms of, all right, let's see if he could stack another big time year on top of his 15 and a half sacks from last season. He was second in the nation in quarterback sacks last year. And if he stacked another year of 12 or more sacks, then yeah, he's another top five lock. But he still is pretty raw. He still requires some development as a pass rusher. That development's not going to happen on the field this year. So I would find I, he's going to be an interesting guy to monitor as we kind of march through the fall, winter, and now obviously into the NFL draft cycle where he slots because I can't imagine any edge rusher would surpass him if they end up playing college football this season. I can't think anybody is going to have enough of a splash or flashy year to where you're going to roll the dice, you know, on that player over the potential ceiling that Rousseau has, because like you said, Luke, he checks every box as an elite prospect from, you know, on the hoof, from a physical standpoint, his height, his length, his wingspan, you know, he's a plus athlete. He has everything you look for in an elite pass rusher, but he was a guy that we kind of needed to see that additional year of high end pass rushing in order to say, yes, no doubt about it, this this is that guy. He's a, he's a top five to seven pick without hesitation. Now there's some hesitation because we don't see that, that next step on film. Another player who I think is going to end up suffering a little bit from opting out is Rondale Moore. You know, Rondale Moore didn't, you know, had an injury-riddled season last year. He's essentially basing his draft stock off his freshman season at Purdue. And I don't know if there's enough to, for me to feel comfortable with him being a first-round pick. He's already kind of dealing with size issues. He's not small, but he's short. He's not going to really be an outside receiver in the NFL. I know some people have compared him to Steve Smith. I just don't see that. He's more of a slot guy, which, hey, look, the slot receivers in the league league now have extreme value. But I don't know if he has enough on film to say a team should take a top 32 pick on him, especially with injury histories, injury red flags. And we're not watching him. We're not seeing this dude dominate defenses now. It's going to be two seasons removed from his real flash plays. What do you think for Rondell Moore, Luke? I mean, do you, do you see him? Do you think there's enough in the can for him to be a top? I know some people love him as a top 10 pick. I mean, I, I don't, I'm pumping the brakes on that. Yeah, so am I. And and part of it is because I love the rest of the, the wide receiver class at the top. If we're talking Jamar Chase, obviously is, is the number one guy. And then there's quite a few guys that could try to make a case for that number two spot. I think it's Bateman. Um, and then you've got, um, you've got more, you've got Devonte Smith, who you hate from Alabama. Uh, we're not going there again. Cause it just makes me angry. Um, but Rondale Moore, I think is he's, I think his skill set and his fit at the next level is Debo Samuel, Randall Cobb ish. If that, you know, makes sense. 
I, I think that's the kind of player he is. And I think that guy is he a, is that guy a first round pick for your team? If you're a team like the 49ers at the end of the bat, you know, in a certain offense where you're going to use a guy like that in in ways you could get first round value out of him, maybe if he stays healthy. Well, let me ask. Well, I'm going to cut you off, Luke. It's a it's a it's a it's a show tradition here. I'm going to cut you lo- cut you off. Um, there's no doubt of who he is in terms of what he'll bring to the NFL level, in terms of what he does well. But knowing being around the draft game as long as you and I have been, you know that general managers, front office guys, directors of college scouting, they want to make decisions with as much information as possible, as much tape as possible, as much testing as possible, much ba- as much background information as possible. Do you think there's enough information, enough tape, enough of what NFL front offices value when they place a first-round pick on a guy. Forget if he's a Debo Samuel type. That's not really the point, right? Is there enough for an NFL team to even say he's a Debo Samuel type? Is there enough? I mean, we're talking about how many games? I don't have his stats in front of me, but how many games has he played on the college level? Not a lot. Not not the number that you really want to see from a guy who's going to be a first-round pick. You might say that there's exceptions to players who have that breakout junior or senior season, but that's the season of the most like recency bias, right? Rondell Moore is the opposite of that. He's a distant memory at this point. When we get to the 2021 draft, and we're sitting here in April, the last time he played a dominant game will have been a really long time ago. Do you think that part of it, forgetting who he is as a player, do you think that part of it, if, and even if it extends beyond Rondell Moore, do you think the lack of information on some of these guys who did have questions to answer in 2020 is going to automatically push them out of the top 32? I don't know if it automatically does, but I think it's a huge problem for those players, and I think it's a huge problem for those scouting departments and those franchises because you're right. There, there's so much that they won't know that that it's going to have to be made up by the rest of the the picture, right? We talk about you know the medicals, we talk about the interviews and the you know the character stuff, the background stuff, the conversations with friends and family and high school coaches and position coaches and teachers and you know all of that other stuff is going to have to replace and overrule the lack of. The film. And what happens when you do that, Brian, is you elevate all those other things over what they're actually being drafted to do, which is play football. And that, I think, could lead to some very interesting uh, reaches, busts, situations where you have teams maybe taking. We've talked about how there's no such thing as a safe pick, but I could see a team looking at a guy like Rondale Moore and then looking at a different receiver who has more experience, more film, maybe doesn't have the the ceiling if all things go right that Rondale Moore or somebody like that would have and opting to say, you know what, I just, I'm more sure about what I see with this guy on fee- on the field and I've seen him do it more times. I'm going to take the, the, the more safe route with this pick as opposed to a guy that I just don't know as much about on the football field. I, I could see teams doing that. And again, the players will suffer teams will will miss out on guys that may end up being star players just because they couldn't be sure one way or the other. I got a couple rapid fire questions for you. You ready? Let's go. Will we see a record number of teams trade out of the first round this year? Uh, you know, yes, sure. I I will make this rapid fire and then we'll we'll talk about a little bit because we haven't really gotten to what the draft is going to do yet. So I'll just say yes. Will we see a senior bowl this year? No. I I I I've, I'll say I'll say I know I won't. <laughs> I'm not going. Uh, will it be on television? Will it Jim Nagy seems pretty. Jim Nagy. And seems this pretty is what fit. this is what I mean by that. When I said that, and I thought to myself, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> if Listen, anybody's going to try to make what happen, Jim, Jim's going to make Jim it. Nagy happen. is an A plus. Dude, A plus plus. I mean, one of the best things to happen to draft community, draft Twitter is Jim Nagy taking over the Senior Bowl. But Jim Nagy this week on Twitter was pretty adamant that uh, well, I shouldn't say adamant. I don't want to misrepresent his 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 opinion here, but he seemed pretty frustrated 
uh, that cancel culture could, according to him, the quote unquote cancel culture, which I really don't agree Let's with that term. I, I um, could I could rant for an hour just. Yeah, about I mean, that I, I think cancel. I think cancel culture is when you say cancel culture, you're kind of making a political statement, and this show isn't about politics. But his opinion of cancel culture potentially being the reason why college football is postponed, if not canceled altogether. Um, I think he tweeted that. I think he tried to delete the tweet, but Twitter is infamous for screen grabs and sharing and whatnot. But if that's his state of mind, I mean, he could be very, very much one of these, um, you know, heads of these all-star games who's going to try his best and kudos to him if he can do it safely to have a senior bowl in, in January or maybe push it into February. And the timing Luke could work if we have a vaccine by then, who knows, maybe they're able to pull it off. I will say this, if I'm answering my own question here, I think we will see a senior bowl but I don't think we'll see one with media there outside of the NFL network and ESPN. It will not be the way it used to be uh, or the way it's normally uh, where everybody and their grandmother gets a credential and hangs we out. And we won't be cracking. And, uh, we won't be getting uh, dirty looks for people in front of us, cracking jokes during the weigh-ins. Yeah, no, exactly. That none of that's going to happen, man. I, I think it's going to be very, very much an NFL only event. Um, and which is dangerous for the draft community, because if that goes over really well, you know, you can see credentials becoming a, a rare opportunity for the senior bowl. But I think we'll see one, but we won't see one the way we've traditionally been able to cover it. NFL Combine, will it be in February? I can't see a, a universe in which, and this goes to the senior bowl too, I, I think that if if there's a senior bowl, if there's a combine in, and if they happen when they normally do, we're talking late January for the senior bowl. We're talking late February, early March for the combine. I think that means the draft hasn't moved first of all. And I think that means we're not playing college football in the spring, which we've already seen, you know, some people talking about that as a possibility if it gets postponed. And again, we've seen uh, Pat 40 from SI has tweeted out that, you know, conferences are meeting tonight, and the expectation is that we're not going to have college football this season. If that's the case, if they try to move things to the spring, then I think everything has to change because that that that's not going to work for players. Luke, who, nobody, no, no, nobody, no draft prospect is playing in the spring. It's not going to happen. That's true. Also, and and my bigger question on the spring and why I don't think it would end up happening is because what happens for the fall. You know, this isn't. Yeah, yeah. Look, you're not going to have a full college football season in the spring, and then turn around in in July and go back to training camp. It's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's got to get it through their head. It's just redshirt. I mean, we'll all survive. I mean, the goal here is to survive, right? The goal is to survive, and to get to next September and we're back to normal. Just, just freaking survive, and and that's it. You know, to 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 want to say to kick the can down the road to the spring. Just at that point, if you're saying football is going to be in April or May, just what's the just wait another five months. And we're, and we're back to a normal schedule. But last rapid-fire question for you. Will the NFL draft happen in April? You know, and, and this is where it comes down to because we're talking about, and I guess this applies to the Combine a little bit because the Senior Bowl is kind of, you know, its own entity. I know the NFL is involved heavily, but that's not like their event. And college football has its own decisions to make. we got to remember the NFL is n- under no obligation whatsoever to do jack when it comes to moving anything around to accommodate whatever college football decides it's going to do about this season. So if this past year was any indication where Roger Goodell was adamant from the beginning, we're going to start the league year on time. We're going to have free agency on time. We're going to have the draft on time. And all of those things happened, albeit with some, you know, augmentation and some changes. It, it makes me think that what would have to happen for the NFL to, have any sort of catalyst or impetus to change the draft date or change the combine dates. It would have to be a situation where they feel like their product is being weakened by having everything happen on schedule to the point where they would need to move things. Because again, you're talking about pushing everything around. If you're talking about moving the draft, does that change free agency? Does that change, you know, mini camps and and all of that stuff in the the entire off season schedule? Does that impact that? I just wonder what would have to happen to make Roger Goodell and the NFL decide of their own goodwill or, or in, in defense of their own product, since there's nothing in writing that tells them they have to make any changes whatsoever here. I just wonder what it would have to look like for them to decide it's best for us to move this out of April 
uh, more, you know, more than a couple weeks. We've seen them do that a, a few years ago, and that was terrible. An extra two weeks of waiting uh, on social media that was unbearable. But, but yeah, I, I just um, I don't know what would happen to make the NFL move because they're not going to do something unless they have to do it. They're not going to let do anything unless it's what's best for them. Um, but yeah, that's how I see it going before we move on. Uh, I want to ask the listeners if you guys have ever heard of deal dash.com. It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com, use the offer code DRAFT, that's D-R-A-F-T, or deal-dash.fm slash draft. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash draft. Brian, I... You know what would be a great deal for the Senior Bowl? What would be a great deal for the Senior Bowl, Brian? Huge opportunity for Jim Nagy to loosen the rules this year and allow any player who opted out to be eligible for the Senior Bowl. The Junior Senior Bowl. Micah Parsons, Rondell Moore. Bring them all. Why wouldn't you? These guys would probably jump at the opportunity to play. I, I Nothing would surprise me. Again, this is – we talk about getting back to a normal and what the new normal is and all this stuff. All, all bets are off at this point, right, Brian? I mean, who's to – Who's to say, you know, that Jim Nagy doesn't come out and say, everybody can come play. Whoever wants, we're not going to let those restrictions get in the way. We're going to go after juniors. We're going to go after redshirt sophomores. Anybody who's draft eligible, come show your stuff in Mobile, Alabama. And again, I I would probably put more money on the Senior Bowl happening, whether on time or not, than the NFL stuff, um, just because I, I don't know how that would I think they might be more willing to move things around just a little, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jim is pretty set on making sure that happens. Uh, and I understand why. And when kind of circling back to what you said about the draft, having no, the NFL having no obligation to kind of move their calendar around based on what happens with college football. I think we saw it this year, right? We saw how the NFL handled the draft during a time when the pandemic was at its peak and really a lot of the, parts of the east coast west coast i mean it was it was it was even worse than it is right now if that's even possible and the nfl managed to kind of pivot and do a virtual draft uh i thought it was great man it was great and honestly we could see another one i mean they're supposed to where is it next year cleveland is it supposed to be i think so i mean it's possible that by april we're back to large gatherings being the norm and Maybe the draft can have another live on-site event. I just want to go to concerts, man. I miss <laughs> concerts. That's like the only thing that like, I really gather, you know, other than, like you said, going to the games and, and for work in the media, it's a little bit different than going as a fan and being in that big crowd. But like, man, I love my music. I want to go see shows again. I want to be going. I want to take my wife out to an Italian dinner and That's be able to sit inside a restaurant, not to swap mosquitoes when I'm trying to eat a plate of pasta, man. That's what that. I want. I want I just, we could we could go on and on and on. I want my kids to play with their friends. God dang it. Yeah. But I mean but Luke, look, think about what we're talking about here. We just want to be able to have a plate of pasta indoors and in air conditioning, sitting at a table having a glass of wine. It's the little things. And we're man. really gonna have goddamn college football. Are we seriously thinking this is gonna happen? I can't even go to a restaurant and order a plate of calamari with my wife. And we're gonna have these guys playing college football this, led this, by an institution that's totally backwards. <laughs> this gets happen, dude. this gets at the uh, the hilarity of of some of the uh, the protocols that the NFL put in. Also, is that saying that at, in the post game they can't swap jerseys or be within six feet of each other after banging their heads in and sweating so and spitting all over each other for three hours? Like, are you kidding me? So like, stupid. let's have and a little I, bit I, of I really, understanding. I, I I don't want to go off on a tangent here, and I don't want to alienate some of our listeners because, look, political opinions and ideology, it's its an individual right to have your opinion, to voice your opinion, to say what you want, 
and to live how you want. You have Which those. Why freedoms. you should stay yours, Brian? Go for and, it. <laughs> you know, this country, this country is the greatest country on the planet because we're all able to go to t- on Twitter and just say whatever the hell we want, and there's no backlash. You can go on your corner of your in, of your street in your neighborhood and hold up any sign you want, as long as you're not threatening people, as long as you're not creating any kind of hazard situation. You can say and do pretty much whatever you want. But there is some level of responsibility we all owe each other when we are trying to do what's right as a human population, where politics and ideology just has to be put aside just for a moment. Wearing a mask is not politics. Social distancing is not politics. Science is not politics. Wearing a mask does not make you a Democrat and not wearing a mask does not make you a Republican. It is a matter of doing the right thing. And part of that is also promoting an opinion that promotes health and safety for everyone. Whether you agree or disagree with your neighbor, you should want your neighbor to live a long and healthy life, whatever that life may consist of for them. And in order to do that, we have to all make sacrifices, Luke. And part of those sacrifices, one of those sacrifices might be, we don't have college football this year. What the hell is the big deal? What is the big deal? You know what the big you know what's going to happen, Luke? We will have the longest and most aggravating and irritating draft season in the history of draft Twitter where Trevor Lawrence will go from being the number 1 pick overall to undraftable by the time we reach April and cycle all the way back to being the number 1 pick overall because there's nothing else to talk about. There are no games. All the tape will have been watched many, many times and that's going to suck, right? That's going to be awful. But what's worse, Trevor Lawrence getting COVID is a lot worse than debating whether he should be the number one pick for the next, I don't know, what is it, eight months? Mm. I mean, we all got to come together as a people and understand this sucks, but we have to do what sucks to get back to what we love. It's not Luke, why is this so hard? And here, and I'm I'm going to use my soapbox time to piggyback off of that because one thing I'm absolutely over seeing this on social media. I've seen it from just anybody who is out there tweeting. I've seen it from blue check marks and people with national platforms on big networks who cover college football. I'm so sick and tired of the idea that that the members of the media who have been saying for months and months and months, you know, if, if we don't do this, if we don't do these things, if we don't handle this in a, in a smart way, we're not going to have college football, guys. We're, it's not going to happen. We're not going to do this. And you have to understand that people said this about, you know, baseball and basketball. It's like we're not going to be able to get those sports back unless this happens. And then they, all of the hoops that they had to jump through to get those things. What, what I'm trying to say is so many people whose jobs depend on football being played this year, college or otherwise, have been ringing the warning bells on this for months because we knew if the summer didn't go the way it the way it should go, if people didn't listen and didn't do the things you've been talking about, we could end up on August 9th with with all the Power Five conferences meeting at at in the middle of the night to decide whether or not we can play college football because we didn't do the things that we should have done to get there. And and for people, multiple people with national platforms who cover this sport to come out and say things like, you know, all the media who's been, you know, talking about how this wasn't going to happen. Well, I hope you're happy. You know, you've been rooting for this. So congratulations with your fear and panic and blah, all the, you know, cable news catchphrases they want to use. Yeah, Luke, it has it's nothing ridiculous. to do. It has nothing. It has nothing to do with over 170,000 people who have died and 5 million plus people who have the virus. It has nothing. College football being canceled has nothing to do with that. It's all because of the headlines. And not, college football is going to cave to the headlines and not the science and data that shows people are dying from this. If I'm going to bring you to a barbecue in my house and you say to me, Brian, you better make sure you cook that chicken really well. Otherwise, the people here might get salmonella. 
and then I don't cook the chicken well and people get sick, what am I going to do, Luke? Say to you, oh, see, Luke, you were rooting for this. You were hoping the people got sick because of that's what you, that was the whole motive behind you giving me these warnings. It's it's stupid. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. People saying logical things. Logic should always win, Luke. Logic should always win. People saying if we don't have testing expanded, if we don't figure out, how, if the country doesn't social distance and get this pandemic under control, we won't have college football. Nobody's cheering for that. In fact, I interpret the writers who have been saying that as speaking out of fear and anxiety. Exactly. That, hey, That's what I was going to get at next is that do, the- your fuck, do your job. I almost dropped an F-bomb. Do your job, everybody. <laughs> Do the right thing so I can keep getting a goddamn paycheck. That's what people are. That's why they're saying these things, Luke. And what's frustrating is those people who are criticizing them are saying that in the same breath. In the same breath, they're saying, well, you realize your jobs are on the line. You're not going to have a job. Yeah. Yeah, we know that, jackass. That's why we're saying this. We're afraid of that happening. You have to explain to me what the hell is wrong with people. I just don't. Well, I Won't think the people stop using their brains, Luke. I think, unfortunately, and again, we don't, you know, I think it has become a political thing to be on one side of this thing or the other. And I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's what people have done. They have gotten to the point where that I think they feel like if you're on one side of the aisle or the other, this is what your opinion has to be. And, and again, I just, I, I, it frustrates me so because again, as someone whose livelihood depends on these sports happening, I, I can't stress enough to people how worried I am about this happening. You talk about, you know, what, what's the worst that could happen. You know, that's part of the worst that could happen is people lose their jobs, man. Like I get that. The problem is the, the reporters that first of all, they're reporters. So their job is to present the information, report on the information and tell you what's going on. So if what's going on is, Hey, we didn't do all these things and now we may not have college football. Those are the facts. And that's their job to tell you that they're not going to tell you otherwise, just so you feel just, what, what are they supposed to do? That's their job. They're reporters. But, but even not if only- it's an opinion, even if it's an opinion, it's logical. It's based on, logic we are seeing it in schools right now so just sub out sports for schools if people are reporting on schools and this and localities that aren't doing what's necessary and p- schools get canceled or go all remote will the danny Canells and doug gottliebs of the world still come out and say oh see you were hoping this. You wanted schools to be closed. That's why yes, you kept they will. I'll out. say it right now. They absolutely freaking it will. Does man. it make sense? It's just so stupid. And I don't understand why these guys continue to get a national platform to be. I mean, maybe it's just Twitter, but they shouldn't have the ability to spread such nonsense. This goes back to what I was saying before, where we all have a greater responsibility to each other to just speak logically, to look at the facts. Five million people have the virus. 170,000 people have died. If you want to say this is bullshit and that it's the flu, go talk to people who lost a father, a mother, a son, a grandmother, a grandfather. They're going to tell you it's not the flu. Get out of the little box you're living in because maybe you and no one you have, no one you know has COVID and start thinking about people from an empathetic state of mind. Think about other people aside from yourself. Danny Cannell wants to sit there on a Saturday and talk college football and he's selfishly talking and preaching these things because he wants to enjoy his college football Saturdays. He's not thinking about the science and the facts and the risks. What is Danny Cannell going to say or Doug Gottlieb going to say the minute a high-profile college football player gets COVID and gets really sick? Is it suddenly then, oh, that's all because of the headlines that the person got sick? Isn't it better, Luke, to play the side of safety and can be conservative and be cautious and not risk amateur athletes lives for our own enjoyment on a Saturday afternoon, it is ridiculous. And anybody who sits here and says that it's fake 
news needs to start redefining the word fake. I mean, this makes no sense to me. I don't know how any person who is an adult, who's not a child, I would excuse a child who has not lived long enough to understand science or health or stats or illness or virus. Children are insulated and sheltered from that, and they should be. They shouldn't be living a life of fear. That would ruin childhood, the essence of childhood. But as adults, we have a greater responsibility. Part of the biggest responsibility we have as parents, Luke, is to be able to make informed decisions that promote the health and safety of our children. And when you're sitting here talking about college, kids, kids, those are people's children. It doesn't matter if they're a 19-year-old NFL prospect. That's someone's son. If someone's 19-year-old son gets sick with COVID, whether they have a Clemson logo on a helmet or they're just a dude going to sociology class at Clemson, that's devastating and scary for a family. Why should anybody be put at risk? And and what in the goddamn world makes these people think that it's the headlines and reporters who are making this worse than it really is? Go, Go visit a family who lost a loved one from COVID and tell them that. The middle school principal in my town here, where my son is starting sixth grade, the principal that he was supposed to be going to school under died from COVID. 48 years old, healthy guy, a gym rat, died of COVID. Devastating loss in our town. Go tell that family, Danny Cannell, that college football is going to get canceled because sports reporters are hoping for it. It is an absolute joke. It's a cold-hearted, mean-spirited, dumb position to have and i don't care what side of the aisle you're on if that's what you think unsubscribe to this show i could care less unfollow me on twitter because if we don't have enough people speaking up and speaking out for logic logic is the great determining factor of good decisions using logic luke people are dead families have lost people because of this college football doesn't mean shit when you think about life and death, and that's what this is. So yeah, kudos to the reporters who are putting up the warning flares and saying, hey, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, this ain't going to happen. They're not cheering for it to happen. Those people might not be able to make a mortgage payment now. They could get their car repossessed. They might not be able to pay their own kids college tuition if these things don't happen. And these guys have the balls to say that they're cheering for it to happen. How, and, and they get retweeted. I mean, how stupid has our society become? You know, I, I'll, I'll close my part in this with, with uh, a lie. I may have even mentioned this on the show before because I know we've talked about this a little bit. But uh, Washington Nationals closer Sean Doolittle uh, in Major League Baseball mentioned this last month and he said sports are like a reward of a functioning society and we don't deserve them. (laughs) We are not a functioning society right now because of the way we've reacted to this pandemic. And we do not, I don't know that we deserve college football because we haven't done the things over the last four to six months that were required to put us in a position to where we could have it in a safe way. And because that hasn't happened, guess what? We're probably not going to get college football and we have nobody else to blame but ourselves. You're right, Luke. And, you know, it's it's funny that you say do little. We all got to do more, man. We all just got to do more. It just comes down to do your part, play your part. It's like, you know, bringing this whole thing full circle. This is a football show. Football teams, the best football teams have 11 guys, as Bill Belichick says, doing their job. If everybody in society can live by that mantra and do your damn job and not walk into a Department of Motor Vehicles without a mask on, don't walk into a Dunkin' Donuts without a mask on, don't go into a school, don't, don't bang the table and say schools should be, remote, uh, should be in, uh, uh, in-person learning, going to school while you're making that opinion working remotely when you don't have to go to your office because your company, big media companies, are saying 
don't come to the facility. We are social distancing. And yet you maintain an opinion that that elementary school children should be going to school in person. Give me a break. It's a joke. Everybody do your job. And part of doing your job would be subscribing to this show and coming back the next time. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Coming back the next time Luke and I uh, put another one out there. We'll have shows every week. We took a couple weeks off here as we kind of gear up for maybe a college football season or not, but definitely a full year of draft season because this is always draft season. He's Luke Easterling. Follow him on Twitter at Luke Easterling. Check out his draft work at the Draft Wire, his Bucks work for Sports Illustrated. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. Bears fans, you guys know me well. Follow me over at NBC Sports Chicago, where I'll be covering all the Bears stuff and have a lot, a lot of draft content there as well. Go everywhere you get your podcast from, draft season listeners. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. If you hate our takes today, let us have it. We don't, we love it. Communication is the key to evolution. So let's just keep communicating and catch us next time. Um, it's always draft season. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.